It's the Locked On Canes podcast where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Perdue. I am your host, and it's a great Tuesday, a big time uh, week to talk about some Canes football and to help me do that. I have Cam Underwood here from stateoftheu.com. What's going on, Cam? Yo, what's going on? Glad to hear you, you know, talking into the microphone instead of like what you do before we start recording. You be all over the place. But, you know, that <laughs> audio quality picked right up. I said, ooh, okay, that man gets serious. Oh, yeah. I get hype about my canes, man. I really get hype. But, you know, before we get really into this, because we, I've been really teasing this thing for a minute, and I've really been wanting to hold it, but I can't hold it no more. We got a big-time announcement for the Locked on Canes podcast, and With no further ado, I'd like to give you the honors because, quite honestly, you might be here a little bit longer. Big facts, big facts. Can confirm, uh, you know, after, you know, some thought and deliberation and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, you've heard me, what was this now, two times yep. as a guest star and third time here, uh, your Locked on Canes podcast co-host officially as of today is yours truly, Cam Underwood. So uh, uh, shout out to me, but I appreciate uh, Fred, you know, for reaching out for the opportunity and I think that we have a good time. So yeah, I'm going to be here for a while. Uh, we can continue to build this relationship, build this podcast and have some fun. So let's get it. Most definitely. So now that we've gotten that, gotten the formal things out of the way, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnCanes. You can follow me on Twitter at FredPurdueCFB. Cam, tell them where they can find you. At Underwood Sports. Come on over. So we have some news, some things to talk about. Let's unpack this whole thing. We got some injuries to talk about, some press conference stuff to talk about. You know, we got to talk about the people up north, even though we beat them into oblivion. Now we have to talk about what we caused because, yeah, we caused a little bit more damage than even they were expecting. So let's jump right into it. So we have a couple injuries. Unfortunately, you know, it's the, it's a war of attrition out there. So we have Brevin Jordan, best tight end in the country. Yeah, Trey McKinnon, you best tight end in the country. Thank you. You know, Trey McKinney, what you was thinking? Just say But uh, Brevin Jordan dealing with some with a knee injury right now. Uh, I don't think it'll be too big of an in- issue uh, going into the Louisville game. But, you know, anytime our guys are nicked up, we have to talk about it. Yeah, you know, we do have to talk about it. Uh, Brevin Jordan did miss the end of the game uh, last week. He was seen, uh, you know, like in a – or with crutches or a cane or something after the game. People went all kind of crazy. Uh, you know, asked about it almost in passing at the coach's pressers on Monday. Danny, you know, said that um, Brevin Jordan's pretty much a day-to-day and we'll see what happens. So uh, I don't think it's going to be too bad. Uh, Hopefully he can get it out this week because after the Louisville game, there is a bye week. So you get that extra week late in the year, you know, in the end of November uh, to get healthy. But, you know, if he's not able to go, then, you know, you are able to spin this week, hopefully, as an extra, extra uh, week for him to get ready and get right. So, uh, obviously, being the best tight end in America, I hope Say that Brevin Jordan's time. out there. Say it one more Say it one. time. The best tight end exactly. in America. Exactly. And it's funny, because I say this on every podcast that I've been a guest on and everything. People, they want to laugh. And, they, <laughs> and then I say, hey, who's better? And it got real quiet. They said, well, oh, it well, gets uh, really quiet. It uh, gets uh, really uh, – I used to say there was another – my guy Albert O out there in Missouri, but nah, 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 nah. And nah. Albert O is a fifth-year senior, and Brevin's a true sophomore exactly. doing 
bigger numbers. Exactly. Like, what are we talking? Nah, 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 nah. So anyway, like I was saying, you know, like we both said, hopefully, you know, his injury is mild uh, where he can play this week. If not, then take this week off. Hopefully the boys will be able to get a win without him, get that extra week of rest before he comes back for the final three. So that's the good. And, and really, I like to spin bad news into good news. There's this guy named Will Mallory. Get used to him. He he might be he might be the this might be the breakout moment. Honestly, I wouldn't be too opposed to Brevin just having a little bit of a seat and let the Will Mallory show because we haven't gotten a chance to really see what he's all about. And I think he he's pretty good. I've seen him a few times in practices. I've seen a few, seen him a few times uh, in the spring game and everything. So we might see a little bit of Will Mallory. But as far as injuries are concerned, we also have one that we can't come back from. We'll have to wait until that next spring game. Uh, but Bubba Bolin, out for the season on a freak accident. I only thought that happened to got Florida State people, you know, injuring yourself, celebrating and all. But, yeah. you know, uh, he injured himself, giving a chest bump, bump to Gervin Hall. Unfortunately, it happens. Uh, I don't think it was a bad th- It wasn't one of those ill – time things it just it things happen came down awkward he's out for the season yeah and it was celebrating his first interception as a miami hurricane mm-hmm. bubba bolden um literally coming off the field gervin hall you know he hit and destroyed everything last week you know he knocked out uh bandy for a play on some friendly fire you know he had a targeting call that was rescinded uh you know he was a head out there so yeah he's out there the, they're the two safeties you know take you know point up we're gonna jump one time hit bleh, on him and he yeah hit bubba bolden pretty hard i guess and he got off of his you know center axis of, of balance and his his ankle folded under him real nasty his right ankle um to the point where he really, I think, did a yeoman's job to hobble off the field, Bubba Bolden, that is, immediately went into the uh, medical tent. Then he was seen helping or being helped off uh, of the field. Then after the game, he was on crutches with a, a heavy walking boot and uh, wrap on his right ankle. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what the extent is. I, having had an injury almost like that, will pretty much say that if it's not all soft tissue, then the ankle is broken. Um and Manny Diaz said that, yeah, Bubba Bolden is out for the year. So uh, kind of regardless of what the the details of that are, that is a big blow to the secondary because Bubba Bolden, you know, he was coming on strong. It was only his fifth game. He had caused turnovers in the last two games and came on social media after he uh, hit had the hit at Pittsburgh that uh, ended up in the second interception for Gervin Hall uh, at Pittsburgh. He got on Twitter and said, yo, turnovers are going to be my thing. This is what I do, 2-1, what up? And so now he got another turnover. He's over here balling, and all of a sudden he's out for the year. So that does, uh, you know, lessen the secondary uh, rotation a little bit at, at safety. So we wish him a, a swift and safe recovery. We do. Now, the one thing I don't wish any kind of recovery, I like what I'm seeing from a, a fledgling little brother. Yeah, I call him little brother. Is It's Florida State. And, you know, Kirk Herbstreet from ESPN, he's one of my favorite listens, regardless if it's on – you know, on game day, whether it's in a podcast, whatever it is, you know, he always has good things to say. And he's always had a soft spot, despite being a part of those those tree nuts up north. Um, you know, no shots fired or anything. But The acorns? I, yeah, I'm, I'm still salty from 002, man. I'm still salty. I grew up in Detroit. What you mean? I grew up as a Michigan <laughs> fan. Come on, fam. I, I'm always here for salt on the acorns. Like, yeah, we can, we can do that anytime. I got plenty. So he had something to say about Florida State. You know, he said he was quoted as saying, I want 
to get this off my chest. I'm done with Florida State. I want to. I don't want to talk about them anymore. I hate the way they represent themselves. Ooh, shots fired. Uh, their current roster needs to go back and watch the Bobby Bowden era because it wasn't about talking trash and fighting. That's all they do. They're the most undisciplined team you're going to watch, and they're a terrible team. They need to focus more on execution and less on chirping. All they do is chirp. Those are some strong words from good old Herbie, and I love every bit of it. I mean, I thought for a long time, I I felt like he was describing Miami in the Shannon and Golden era, and then I'm like, nah, he's still talking about Florida State. You know, I, I love this. Oh, yeah. I mean, and where's the lie? People want to be mad and everything. Herb Street spoke the gospel truth. And, you know, Florida State is 122nd out of 130 in penalties, getting 8.9 a game for 73.1 yards. They had like nine penalties in the first half. They had five penalties in the first quarter against Miami. Yeah, it's it's one thing when you have the ability to back it up a little bit more. If you remember that 1991 Cotton Bowl when Miami had 593 mm-hmm. yards worth of penalties mm-hmm. and blew out Texas 40-63. Like, if you're, if you're doing that and dancing on every play, but then you get a flag and get a flag, that's one thing. They some fake tough guys. They window dress hood. They want to be, oh, I'm big and bad because I wear, you know, the, the, the tomahawk on my helmet. Buddy, Jameis Winston ain't coming in that locker room. Dalvin Cook ain't in that locker room. Peter Warwick, all them guys who did numbers. Derek Brooks, uh, Chris Winkie, even when he was out there. Warwick Dunn, all those guys, they aren't there and you aren't them. I mean, they have a couple of good guys, but no, I love it. Like, yeah, Herb Street spoke the truth, and those guys, they want to, you know, have that false bravado and, oh, we're Florida State and everything. You right now do not have the cachet where saying I'm Florida State means anything. And before people get on me, that's the same thing like people say, oh, we're Miami of 2001. You can't just come in the stadium and say, oh, we're Miami and have it mean something. You got to go and prove it. Miami went and proved it. Florida State went and proved they ain't about nothing. Ooh, those are some strong words. Those are some strong, strong, very strong words. And, and again, just like Herb Street, I ask you, listener, to tell me, where's the lie? Because you ain't going to find it. I don't find any lies in this. Uh, you know, Florida State has been little brother forever. They'll continue to be little brother. I actually like when they're good because at least we don't get blowouts like we saw last on Saturday, and, you know, we don't have to worry about three-peats. I actually like it. College football is great when Miami and Florida State are going back and forth, and it's a rivalry where one team doesn't go and win seven in a row, and then another team goes goes and wins five in a row. That's not a rivalry. Rivalry is back and forth, a little bit of little bit of back and forth. So we'll, they, have a, they have next year. It's all about next year. Um, they have coaching turmoil now. They fired Willie Taggart. Man, I wish they wanted to keep him there, but I ain't mad at him. Secure the bag. $17 million, I ain't mad at you. Um, but <laughs> I'm not mad at yeah. you at all. Uh, but, yeah, so we also have a few things to talk about, some house cleaning before to, as far as the as far as far press conferences are concerned. You know, Manny Diaz, he applauded the team. It was a great outing. Uh, all We talked about all the numbers on yesterday of all everything that went on, uh, the injuries. But – did you take anything from the coach's press conference yesterday that maybe could lead on to maybe this week that could, you know, caught your eye a little bit? Well, Manny Diaz was asked how this team is going to rebound. And he was very, you know, decisive in his words about that. You cannot take a day off 
just like I was speaking about in the last answer, talking about you know just kind of letting the logo or the name on the front of the jersey scare the opponent. That doesn't happen anymore. There is more parity in college football, mm -hmm. which means if you want it, if you want to continue this momentum, you have to be the steward of that, and you cannot let last week's performance determine your level of work. You have to continue to grind every single week. And Louisville is a team coming in here that most thought would be pretty terrible, but comes in at 5-4 and four also. And Scott Satterfield, who was at Appalachian State for more than a decade, is a darn good coach. And they have one of the best running backs in America, Javian Hawkins. They have an outstanding left tackle, Makai Becton, um, and an explosive, explosive offense. That team is not going to wait around for you to feel good about yourself. So you got to come in, and the same thing that Manny was talking about, saying had some good Thursday walkthroughs, but then eventually after that team meeting a couple weeks ago, the Wednesday practices got better, and the Tuesdays got better, and every day the work got better. That's what I like to hear. And you have to prove that this week, especially. You got to get to six and four going into the bye week um, for the last three games. Um, I think that's right, right? Because we're five and four now, mm -hmm. six and four through nine. Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah. right. Yeah. So I mean, but you got to, you have to get that win. You had to go out and earn it. Um, so that's the thing that I liked to hear. Um, obviously, all the talk about Gregory Russo, who's just an absolute monster. Uh, that was positive to hear. Um, and you know, I. It was glossed over a little bit. A thing that I did not necessarily like was Jaron Williams hit some big throws at Florida State. And those big throws were awesome. And that helped propel Miami to a victory. Outside of those three or four throws, though, the offense was still actually pretty bad. And, like, you, you overlook that because he hit those throws. What happens if you don't? And how is the rest of the offense going to get better? You know what I mean? If the, you know, in the third quarter, Miami had a 0% success rate as per, you know, the SP plus advanced metrics. That means they did not hit any of their yardage markers on first, second, or third down, scored zero points, even though you had the ball at your 27 or further. You had two possessions where you had the ball in Florida State territory in the third quarter. You have another one with the ball at the 50, and you come away with zero points and a 0% success rate. That's really bad. And you let Florida State hang around with that. So, I mean, there are things to like. Obviously, this team is coming together. Obviously, this team does not quit, and I appreciate that. I would like to see the offense blossom a little bit more instead of relying on those two or three plays because, like we saw in 2017 against Pittsburgh, if those two or three plays don't happen, it can be a different story. I feel like you're in my playbook a little bit here, and I, I echo your sentiments. So, you know, I, I want to see more of this team being able to finish. And we'll kind of talk about how this team can get better at that whole finishing thing in a second. All right, so the Miami Hurricanes, as we alluded to just a few moments ago, uh, finishing was the problem, finishing drives. And it's always, it's been a problem for the last few years, honestly. You know, when I look at how this team just goes about, it's a lackadaisical kind of deal. And for me, when I look at it, it's the defense will go get a turnover. And then the offense comes out there, first down, you're not getting much. You're getting maybe one or two yards, and there's no urgency to make get an explosive play, five yards, six yards here and there. And then second down, you get stonewalled again. You're in third and long. And that's the one thing that annoys me to high heavens. It doesn't matter if it's the Canes. It doesn't matter if it's whoever I'm watching. You know, 
I hate teams that come out and they're so passive on first and second down, but they want to get very aggressive on third down. And it's third and seven. It's This isn't a video game. It doesn't work that way. You can't just say, we're just going to run deep routes all game. It doesn't work that way. So getting out of those bad third down attempts where you're forcing your quarterback not only to stand in the pocket a little bit longer because that defense is coming out. They're either going to – in third and long – the one thing if I'm a defensive coach is if you're third and long, I'm blitzing. I'm just calling it how I see it. I'm going to bring a ton of pressure or we're going to rush three and drop eight until you make a play. Use your brain. And how many quarterbacks in America are able to, to do that, process all of that information at one time in every single situation? And let's say you have a Gregory Russo running at your face. That's a tough situation to be in. That's what Miami's been in for a while now, and I need that to 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 be a, a thing of the past. Well, even if it's not a Gregory Russo, if you remember, Central Michigan had a fifth-year senior at their right defensive end who whipped uh, Zion Nelson on two consecutive passing downs, you know, at left tackle. And he's nobody's All-American. He's nobody's Gregory Russo. And still, he did numbers. So, yeah, that... That's been a problem, and, you know, I went on uh, Bud Elliott's podcast last week before the Florida State game as well, um, you know, when I was making my rounds, and he said, he had the stats, said Miami is the team with the highest percentage of third and long. That means third and six or further distance to convert in America, which backs up what you're saying. Look, we got to do something more on early downs, but it's like 80% of the first downs that Miami gets come on first and second down, which means you got to go early because that's when you're going to be successful. Even after the win at Florida State, Miami is dead last in America at 130th out of 130 teams, converting 26.6% on third down, not 29 out of 109 attempts. It has to get better. You have to do something to help your offense because it's not just helping the quarterback. It's helping the run game. It's helping the receivers. It's helping helping Brevin Jordan, the best tight end in America. It's helping everything if you are getting some yardage early. You know, so this whole waiting until, you know, third down to say, okay, we're going to run four verts and hope that the offensive line blocks well enough and we figure something out, just like you're talking about, that's unsustainable. And even against Florida State, Miami only went three for 15 on third down. So what are we talking about? So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It does definitely need to get better. So, um, And the play calling, just the paradigm in the red zone, I don't see a scheme. I don't see a consistent identity of this is the thing that we're trying to do in the red zone. And I think that that's part of the problem. And it's crazy because I'm sitting there watching this Florida State game and I said, you have the best tight end in America. I'm going to repeat this. This is going to be a, a running thing until he's gone. He's the yeah. best tight end in America. He is – and I'm a Patriots fan, so I understand what it's like to have the best tight end for a long time. You know what you do with him? You go three wide on one side of the field, match that best tight end in America up against a linebacker who's too slow, a safety that's too small, or a corner who's just going to get bodied – Put him one-on-one, -on -one, isolate him, and say, look, run the slant. Who's going to do anything about it? Treat it like well, a basketball play. It's not my, that difficult. My only thing with that is Gronkowski, you know, is 6'7", 260. 
and Brevin Jordan doesn't have that kind of physicality. So I wouldn't necessarily put him on the single side. I would put him on the group side. So you can put him at number two or number three, as you, you know, if you're listening, you number the receivers from the boundary to the middle of the formation. So if you have three receivers, the outside at the numbers is number one, the next inside slot is number two, the next is inside number three. You can put him at two and three and still get that mismatch. So, I mean, there's ways to use mm-hmm. him, but yeah, finding a way to do it um, would, be, would be good. But, you know, I still have the stats page open uh, from the game, the win at Florida State. And, you know, Brevin Jordan got targeted, what, eight times? That's not bad. Definitely not bad. Definitely not at all. He had, what, six catches? Nah, that's... Yeah, six catches on eight targets, uh, 48 yards, long of 15. Um, you know, you might want to see a couple more of those go his way. K.J. Osborne got targeted nine uh, times. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, like, a lot, a lot. But Jaron really does like him a lot. I, the one thing oh, I yeah. can he loves because he's consistent. And yep. a consistent pair of hands, uh, I'm going to be honest with it. I mean, D. Wiggins, he caught a big pass down the field but on that post route. But he's had some drop sees. Mark Pope has had some drop sees. He still owes me, like, 30 push-ups for that drop seat a few weeks ago. but um, Oh, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, Mark, I'm just saying, you can't drop those. But, uh, you know, for me, when I, I look at how the consistency, if, we, if this team would have been what I saw against Florida State offensively outside of the, the bad third down uh, stuff, this team could easily be seven and one easily. I mean, it, this team could be pretty, pretty good. Pretty, but the problem is, and the one term I've always said about Miami, at least over the last decade, has been Miami is inconsistently consistent, and yep. it, it really it what, you don't know which Miami you're going to get week to week. And it comes with discipline and flushing out a lot of that inconsistency uh, from from class to class, year to year, coach to coach. I mean, you, I don't want to say it's the Mark Rick holdovers because it seems like Mark Rick was a pretty decent recruiter. Uh, but when you get Manny Diaz guys in who fit what he wants and knows his expectations, and I think you're going to get more of an SEC feel with that. And that's what I think that's what Miami was looking for with Mark Rick. But he got so much more passive as he got older. And you could tell Mark Rick is not the same guy he was at Georgia. Uh, no, but, you know, a lot of those guys that Mark Rick recruited in the 2018 recruiting class are starting to make plays. Yes. Mark Pope, D. Wiggins, Gregory Russo, who was the steal of the year in that class. Because, and that's the thing that, you know, people are now getting on to. I, myself, I started as a blogger, you know, around the recruiting world. So I've known this and I've seen him play. Gregory Russo played safety and wide receiver in high school. That's scary. At 6'6", 200 pounds. And then he flexed down a little bit when Champagnat, the school he went to, when they needed somebody or to go get a quarterback, he would eventually come down, put his hand on the ground, and then he was unblockable. And just looking at his frame, everybody, well, at least Miami, said, no, 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 that's a D-end. That's a Calais Campbell, mm-hmm. Ted Hendricks kind of dude. Who's going to wreck shop, you know, but all three of those guys are in that same 2018 recruiting class. Nesta Silvera was on pro football Focus's ACC defensive team of the week, had a sack at Florida State. He's another guy in the 2018 recruiting class. My favorite so, of that class. Yo, you know what I mean? So I, I think it's really just, and it's tough. It's hard. You work in a high school, you understand motivating young guys to be consistent is a tough pursuit. And I think that is still what is going on at Miami of just being 
consistent. And Al Golden said it, and he kind of he said it in passing. And I know this is why people were upset with it. The mentality of McDonald's of be a cheeseburger, and where that comes from is no matter where you go, no matter what McDonald's you stop at, whether it's in a rich neighborhood, a hood neighborhood, whether it's here, there, anywhere, you walk in there and you order a cheeseburger and you have an expectation of what that's going to be. It's going to be consistent in that way. If you like it, great, the fries, you know, but you go there expecting the same thing. And that's hopefully what Miami is getting towards where that kind of performance. So you don't have the variance between what we saw at Florida State versus what we saw against Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech. You don't have these huge swings in performance. We go out there every single week and be that cheeseburger, be that consistent performance like in Alabama, who pretty much you can set it and forget it. You're not you don't ever right now with Nick Saban there. You don't look at Alabama and say, okay, what's the game that they're going to tank? You know what I mean? They got their brains bashed in by Clemson in this championship game last year, but that was the way, way outlier. That did not fit in to what you expect from Alabama. And in your in, in agreeing with you, I think that consistency is what Miami's looking for out of Manny Diaz. And even as the year was starting in a way where Miami was losing more games than they might like, he was harping on the consistency of the effort and the work that was being put in. The fact that this team did not quit regardless of circumstance. And that is starting to sprout the seeds of success that you can build upon. Now, speaking of building upon the seeds of success and finishing, finishing, we have to... College football is based completely on recruiting. And quite honestly, when you talk about recruiting, it's the lifeblood of college football. That win changes everything throughout the season, and it also helps us kind of go into what we were going to talk about here. Uh, but before we do that, we have a message from our folks our over at Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Locked On at Manscaped.com. All right, so... Make sure you let's talk a little recruiting before we kind of end this whole new I love session. I love recruiting and it's the lifeblood of this sport. Without it, you have nothing. Uh, how does Miami benefit from Florida State's <clears throat> blunder of a loss in Hard Rock North? Yes, it is Hard Rock North from now on until you claim it back. It is Hard Rock North. How We had recruits that were in the building, and now we have Florida State recruits that are uh, decommitting. How, how does Miami capitalize? Miami capitalizes by making moves, by contacting these guys um, who either were committed or are tenuously committed to um, Florida State and guys that Miami's been after. Uh, you know, we actually just recently today extended an offer to Keyshawn Green, arguably the fastest linebacker recruit in America. Uh, he ran like a sub 4-5 at a training camp or a Nike opening regional. Uh, Jalen Knighton already decommitted. He was a running back commit from Deerfield Beach High School that Miami's been after pretty much the duration of this cycle. Demory Tate is another guy. There was another uh, defensive back. I forget his name, but he's from South Georgia um, who was committed to Florida State. But you start pressing those guys and say, hey, what's up? Like You saw it's bad over there, so why don't you come over here? And Look, this is the exact inverse of what happened a couple of times at Miami when Randy Shannon got fired, when Al Golden got fired or was about to get fired, even you know last year when uh, Mark Rick stepped down. Look, you got to strike while the iron's hot. 
So you have to connect with those guys if you have not previously. If you have, then you continue that and you really start to, to look at that, um, you know, bringing them in potentially. The other part of things is Manny Diaz kind of, you, you have to say things kind of cryptically uh, as a coach because you're not allowed to outwardly say the names of any recruits until they sign because that's a violation. But he was asked about this very question at his presser uh, on Monday. And he said, yeah, you know, we're always looking to evaluate the class. We're always looking to upgrade the talent. And I think that that's going to happen. Read between those lines. There's a couple of guys who are committed to Miami in this recruiting class right now who are going to be told thanks, but you should probably seek shelter elsewhere. And Miami's going to upgrade or look to upgrade those scholarship slots. So Andrew Ivins from 247 Sports already said that uh, Antonio Smith, who's a three-star offensive lineman recruit from Ocala Vanguard High School, that's where Nicosi Perry went to school, mm-hmm. uh, said that he's not going to sign with Miami, and that's pretty much Miami looking to go in a new direction. So you can look to see an iOS press release about respecting his decision sometime soon. Trayvon Riggins. Uh, the longest tenured commit in this class, uh, defensive tackle from uh, St. Petersburg High School. He already took an official visit to Illinois, and he's about to take another one somewhere else this weekend. Um, that's, you know, a step down from Miami, and it started to look like he might not be in this class either. So, yeah, you know, you, you, you clear off or, you know, you trim some of the fat, and then you go get some of these ballers. So, yeah, Miami really has the opportunity to lean on, you know, the fact that, you know, they've been consistent with effort, have not given up or quit, and that, you know, when the talent is here, we're already building the program and the mentality that we need. Now, we need you, Joe All-American, Fast Kid, whomever, to come in and be another player to make these plays for us. Yeah, and for me, my one selling point, if I'm any Miami coach, Going after these players, I mean, of course, Florida State has Odell Higgins. He's the god of recruiting when it comes to the state of Florida, especially Central Florida. Trust me, I've had a lot of experience with with, with Odell Higgins. He's great at what yeah. he does. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout! I, I, the only shout out I do give is to Brendan Gannett, Florida State. That's a whole different. That that's my young guy. But um, nonetheless, um, if I'm if I'm one of the Miami coaches, I say. You know, they are really in flux. Who's your head coach? I mean, you have an interim guy, but he's going to just be one of your – he's going to try to rec- keep you there and recruit you there to keep you to stay. Uh, but is Bob Stoops walking through the door? And that's something we'll kind of get into on the next episode because, you know, coaching is different and understanding the dynamics of, of everything around you in your conference because you're, you're always recruiting to beat the other teams, the Florida States, the Clemsons. Uh, the North Carolinas, I mean, is Mac Brown walking through the door? Probably not. Um, Kendall Browse, do you bring him? Do you elevate him? I don't think he's ready yet. So who are you? who's your guy? Who's the certainty that you have? I don't see it at Florida State, and that's a great thing because the more that those coaches are not there and able to uh, – Give that uncertainty. Miami has that ability to plant that seed of doubt into those Florida State recruits' um, mentality. Yeah, I mean, uncertainty, especially for a 18-year-old, is a big thing, making the biggest decision of their lives. Uh, you know, you've even seen a couple of guys who are on track to graduate early wherever they're going, you know, who are committed there saying, you know, Florida State's still towards the top, but I'm graduating in a month, and I'm about to be in college in a month and a half. So... I'm evaluating all my options. So that's a huge thing. And, you know, Florida State's administration is going to undergo a change. So at the end of this academic year, in the spring, so in May, there will be a new president of the university, new you know administration. 
Same thing with the athletic director. That should be undergoing a future change. So who are you going to go get as like a big name now, knowing that the leadership both in the athletic department and for the university is going to change? So even if you get hired, you're not the guy necessarily for this new regime at either level, the athletic administration or the overall institution administration, because those are going to change after this hire is made. That could be an issue. The one thing I am certain of is this is going to be a great partnership between myself and you, Cam, and um, I'm glad you're here. Uh, you know, the Miami Hurricanes is a passion between both of us, and we're definitely going to be bringing some of the best content you can find. So you can also stay updated with the show on Twitter. Make sure you go follow us uh, at Locked on Canes. You can find myself again at Frepper2CFB as well as Cam. You can find him at Underwood, Underwood Sports. Uh, we have a lot to talk about throughout the rest of this week. We're going to be, we might, we're going to have guests. We're going to, we might talk a little bit more recruiting. I uh, have, I may have a, a throwback Thursday guest. I'm still working. I'm cooking. I'm cooking. I'm okay. James Harden cooking. And of course, right. we're going to break this whole Louisville thing down on Friday. So stay tuned to the Locked on Canes podcast until next, until tomorrow, folks, where we're going to break a little bit more of this whole recruiting thing down uh it's from for myself for cam it's been great uh it's all about you go canes